Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Melissa Showalter. Melissa is originally from Virginia, where she graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University with a BFA in Graphic Design and Media Studies. With a curriculum heavily influenced by modernist design and visited by influential guest lecturers such as Massimo Vignelli, uh, Melissa was given the opportunity to grow a strong visual aesthetic and thoughtfulness to every design decision. After graduating, Melissa took on the role of design director of Toda's New York office. A multi multidisciplinary design studio, she gained experience working on a range of products, including identities, websites, exhibit design, product design, print design, and editorial design for clients such as the AIGA, Daylong, and the American Foundation for the Blind. Currently, Melissa is an art director at an independent digital creative agency in Portland, Oregon called Instrument, where she collaborates with clients, developers, designers, producers, strategists, and writers to develop and create deceivingly simple and well-crafted digital experiences. Melissa's work has been featured in The Dye Line, The Noun Project, Print Magazine, How, Design Bureau, Communication Arts, and Graphics. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, before we get started today, I wanted to give the listeners a little backstory on how I met how I met you. Um, yep. About a year and a half ago, I was in Portland to present at an AIGA Design Educators Conference, and I was still trying to figure out how I wanted to approach this project. At the last minute, I reached out to Portland area design, uh, digital agencies to have an informal conversation about the state of interactive education from the professional's perspective. Obviously, Melissa was one of the people to get back in touch with me, and we met for about an hour, and our conversation helped fundamentally make me rethink how I approach um, interactive education. So as you listen to this conversation, don't be surprised if we reference our prior conversations. Okay, Melissa, in one of your bios, you wrote, as an art director at Instrument, I collaborate with clients, developers, designers, producers, strategists, and writers to develop and create deceivingly simple and well-crafted digital experiences. To yeah. me, um, titles are very loaded and don't mm -hmm. often truly reflect exactly what you're doing. Right. Can you give us an in-depth explanation of what an art director is at a digital agency? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the role of an art director at a digital agency varies depending on the point of view and the type of work at that agency. So at Instrument, we're basically a what I like to call, I kind of made up this term, but a multidisciplinary interactive company. So to me, that means we do a wide variety of projects within the realm of interactive. Um, so working at Instrument as a designer or an art director is very different from working as like let's say a UX specialist at Facebook, for instance. So at Instrument, as an art director, I help um, create the visual vision for a project as it relates to the creative concept. Um, sometimes this entails thinking about the brand holistically and evolving the brand. Sometimes it means creating content like photos or videos. Sometimes it means creating the look and feel for a website or an app. 
and sometimes it means designing uh, UX experiences. So it's not to say I won't dig into the nitty-gritty details of a website, depending on the team and what's needed of me, but usually I work with um, another designer and under the guidance of a creative director, depending on the scope of the project. Um, but I'd say ultimately I'm responsible for the creative vision of a project. So do you, so you've had print experience before. Um, yeah. Do you, do you feel that the role of an art director is different in a digital agency versus a traditional print agency, or are they pretty much the same? I think they overlap. They have um, similar commonalities in terms of needing to have that broader understanding of uh, what the visual uh, language of a project will be. Um, but at an interactive agency, I'm primarily um, looking at projects under the scope of um, interactive, so a website, an app, um, any kind of experience that you might come in contact with on a screen. Um, so because of that, it does vary a little bit, but we still create content and we still create a visual message. So it does overlap um, as well. Okay. Um, so after reading through the instrument website, there are very deliberate position titles in addition to art director, such yeah. as creative director, technical director, producer, designer, writer, developer. To me, they're all just design. Can you explain how, how they're different, and especially those, the um, creative director, the technical director, the producer, and the designer? Yeah, definitely. So we have a lot of diverse people at Instrument with a lot of different types of backgrounds. And some of the strengths of Instrument, I think, is how we mesh all of those spe uh, specialties together um, in a project. So a creative director is more top level. They're overseeing the project um, more from the view of, is it, solving the big problem? Um, is it being done in a thoughtful way? Um, a technical director is that same top-level voice and vision, but for the development team. So they oversee all of the front and back-end developers on a project. Um, at Instrument, we also have producers instead of project managers and account managers. So we have one role that oversees um, all of the communication with the client. Um, and that, that allows more of a holistic uh, voice in the project, so the same person that gets feedback from the client delivers that feedback to the creative team um, and helps to maintain the goals of the project. Um, so, you know, there is a lot of uh, different roles, and people within design as well have different backgrounds. There are people, um, younger designers coming in to instrument who have a pure interactive experience or background in, at school, and then there are also people in creative director roles who are self-taught design. Um, so it varies a lot, and I'd say that that's actually one of the strengths of Instrument is all of those different viewpoints coming together to solve a problem. Okay, um, so I wanna follow up on that one with another uh, with another thought. So as an art yeah. director, you're, you know, you're responsible for, like you said, the, um, the over, arcing um ideas behind the project mm -hmm. um how is that different from the creative director above it yeah so that's a great question i think um a creative director is more oversight so they won't um i mean it depends on the project and the scope but for the most part they won't be designing within the design okay. files every day okay. um 
there is overlap um, on my project today that I'm working on. I have been working on the same file with my creative director, and we've been passing it back and forth. But typically, they're more of a support a support role rather than um, you know a detail role. Okay, so that makes sense. So I mean, you're you're basically in charge of the visual language of the entire project, and then you've got somebody kind of mm -hmm. over that saying, you know, kind of paying attention if you're to the fact that maybe you're going astray or somebody yeah. to kind of bounce ideas back off of when, you know, you kind of totally come, okay, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And my favorite interaction with a creative director is really how inspiring their vision can be. So, um, you know, they'll send me website links or mood boards or ideas, you know, as it comes to them about the project and they really keep the, the project more on that inspirational level. Um, which is really helpful when you're in the nitty gritty of a project. So I'm going to, so the reason I asked that question is because I had an uh, initial question that I wanted to ask. And that is, I think students have the misconception when they initially enter into the, the field, they're mm -hmm. used to being the, the, the creative director or the art director. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that used to be like, this is what the visual language should be. This is how I, I see this project playing out. And when in reality, they mm -hmm. don't enter in and they don't do that. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I see. I think that's a great observation. You know, when you're coming from school, you're in charge of every aspect of your project from start to finish, including the vision. And really in a professional situation, you not only share that vision with your peers, but you share that vision with the client and what the client's needs are. So I think that, you know, I had that struggle when I started to enter the workforce and I watch um, younger designers have that struggle and it's definitely real. You know, you have to learn how to collaborate and share a vision rather than own it um, at certain times. Okay, so for educators, how can they better replicate that in the classroom. I mean, yeah. well, let me first make sure I understand, you know, this is, and I think Instruments is has a typical setup as most other digital agencies. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a designer working under you. Mm -hmm. um, they're almost kind of like, if you're going to use, compared to a classroom, you're giving them an assignment to design an interface, design an interaction where what happens when somebody clicks. Yeah. So they aren't necessarily um, doing the broad thinking. You're kind of bringing that back to them, correct? It depends. I mean, I love seeing what happens when you give a designer um, an open-ended problem to solve and mm -hmm and watch the way that they uh, attempt to solve it. I think, you know, no one, not even a creative director, always hits the mark right away. Yeah. Um, no, You know, that's not a level of experience. It's more of, I mean, sometimes, obviously, experience comes into play, but having that open mind to collaborate and take direction uh, has to happen at any level, um, for sure. But also with the junior designer, being open to having more direction and being open to take more feedback um, is a really important element. Um, so for that, I'd say one of the things that I loved about VCU that I thought about, you know, before we had this conversation today, um, 
was how I was part of a program called Design Center. Mm -hmm. And basically, we were a group of about eight students. We worked under a professor who played the role of a creative director, and we did nonprofit uh, projects for community uh community projects, essentially. So we did a wide variety from brochures to billboards, you know, whatever was needed given in the nonprofit world, we were there to help um, and take on projects. And that was a great way for me to kind of get a glimpse into how that works and how design is really solving a problem for people um, at the end of the day. So it could be solving a problem for a client. It could be an internal problem. Uh, really were creative problem solvers at the heart. So that collaboration element is so important. And when Massimo Vignelli came to our school to talk, he actually came by our design center class and we were in the middle of a really tough client um, and a tough project. And it was fascinating because even with his celebrity status, um, being such an important figure in design, he had such empathy for what we were going through and you could tell it was something he still dealt with. And he talked about how sometimes he had to fire clients if they just couldn't see eye to eye. But all of the trials that you go through to, to like try and make it work before getting to that point. So that was fascinating for me to watch and kind of understand um, through Design Center. Yeah, see, this is the it, it's fascinating. But from all of these conversations that I've had and ones that are recorded, ones that haven't been, mm -hmm. every every business, um, every design from a digital agency, whatever you want to label them as, they keep asking for that same thing. They want students to have more real world experience. Yeah. And I keep struggling with like, how do I get that back into the classroom? Totally. Um, I, cause I, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Cause you can, okay. Yes. You could like totally do work for mm -hmm. nonprofits, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to like sync up with the semester cycle yeah. um you know and there's other things that have, have always gone wrong is where you know students mm -hmm. don't want to work on it because it's not you know they don't believe in the in the organization there's like moral or philosophical issues or it just ends up right. but it's the one thing that every um person I've talked to said that students need to be better aware of the business side of design yeah uh, I think that's so true I mean there is an art to design and there is an element of um, innate talent and an artistic vision and all of that's so important. But there's also another component of creative problem solving for your client and for what their needs are. And sometimes you work for a client that you don't believe in and that's really hard. Um, but you have to find reasons to believe in the client when you have no choice or, you know, the worst case scenario is you just claim you won't work on that particular project, but that is something that we have to balance. We have to balance that vision um, and that passion for design with the end result of where it where it lives and what it's doing. Yeah, that's an and that's a really hard reality for for students when they first enter the field. Yep, definitely. Um, do you have any suggestions on like how to ease that or anything that I can do as an educator to better prepare them for that? Besides, I mean, you, the one you gave me, but do you have any other yeah. suggestions like on a micro level? Yeah, I think the more you can team up uh, students with other students on a project, um, the better their collaboration skills will develop. So I remember 
personally actually hating group work uh, mm-hmm. or group projects in school because you do lose a lot of the creative control and I'm a perfectionist, you know. So I remember being frustrated at those projects, but when I look back on it, those were the projects that really made me grow the most um, yeah. as a designer. And then I guess secondly, just more of a tactic is the more critiques, the better. The more people have to get up in front of a group and defend their work and explain their reasoning, um, the stronger they'll be as communicators verbally in a group. Um, so those two things would really be my more tactical advice aside from just taking on community projects for free and having students actually interact with a, a client figure. Um, another off-topic question yeah. You so you mentioned the and well this will go back to you being an art director but yeah I think this is an aha moment for me I heard somebody say like we always tell students to do you know group work but we never teach them how to work in a group yeah and I was like damn <laughs> that was like an <laughs> aha moment for me right? so yeah when you so what do you do to solve conflict or it or is there any strategies that you have for making a team, for helping a team work together? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, just having empathy for what people are going through is a big element. You know, I understand that struggle that a junior designer has and that kind of like shock. It's like jumping in a pool of cold water sometimes when you find yourself in your first job and your first tough situation. So I just have honesty um, and I, explain that I know what they're going through and it's tough but our job what we're being paid for what we love to do is solving problems for our clients and that we have to consider those moments um, as being important and and not necessarily giving up creative vision but learning a new way to have vision so for me it's just trying to communicate and have empathy and also um, back off at times and give uh, younger designers a chance to explore when they need to and have really thoughtful reasons for why something doesn't work rather than just having a subjective opinion like, oh, I don't like that color. Instead, there needs to be a thoughtful reason for why. Um, so I think it's just those moments of empathy and understanding and compassion and also just communication and honesty that, that help uh, groups of people work well together. Yeah, that's the th- that's a tough one, but I think that's it falls back on design educators. We need to be teaching them how to work together. Yeah. Um, so, as an art director, um, do you get to choose your own team members? Um, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, sometimes I do. Um, at Instrument, not so much. It's more um, teams are created by the executive producer who is. Uh, well, I guess to back up, at Instrument we have uh, five different teams, and on those teams we have a range of 20 to 50 people, and every team has an executive producer, and their role is to figure out um, the forecast for the projects coming in and who works on what. So a lot of that is predetermined by our EP, um, but they do allow us you know, a voice and an opinion to say that, you know, you haven't worked on a type of project before and you're really interested or you love a client, they take all of that into account. Um, in the past at TOTA, um, I did do a lot of uh, figuring out who worked on what. Um, and, you know, it's it's nice when uh, passions align, when you have people on your team who love a brand or, you know, love an event and then you get to work on it. Um, but that's not always the case. So... 
what do you look for then in a interactive designer? Because that's what I'm kind of charged with preparing to go out into the world. So yeah. what, what would what would make one jump out to you? So I think, you know, like we've been talking about collaboration. I think that's a huge component when you look for new people on your team. You want someone who will fit in with a culture and who seems open and flexible and has a passion for design. Um, I also think having a foundation, a strong foundation in design basics is a really important element to, um, you know, an eye for great typography and an understanding of grid systems. Even though that sounds like print, that comes into play so heavily on the web and in apps is having an understanding for those things. You know, if you understand a grid system, then you can build a responsive site that works well on a huge screen all the way down to a, a small smartphone. Um, so those, I think those fundamentals can't be denied. They have to happen. Um, and then for an interactive designer, obviously, uh, if we're hiring someone straight out of school, um, they won't necessarily have uh, client work. But having an understanding of the different types of interactive, whether it's um, UX on a, a phone or an app, or it could be all the way as broad as uh, creating content for a website, um, I think those details are also important, but not as important as a great foundational understanding of design. Well, following up on that fundamental, you know, knowledge of mm -hmm. the, the knowledge of design fundamentals. Yeah. So and using your print background as as a as a guide, um, mm -hmm. designing a grid for a magazine or for mm -hmm. a newspaper etc. Does that translate to also doing a responsive grid for an online app? Yeah, personally, I think it really does. Um, I think that you learn about type hierarchy, which is a really important component. You learn how you can combine content together. So how, how does typography interact with photography or video? Um, it's still such an important element. It does translate a, a little differently. You know, I remember um, in typography class in school, uh, hand kerning, you know, <laughs> lines of type. And that obviously doesn't translate. And you have to let go a little bit of details like how the rag looks. You know, you can't be as prescriptive. But if you understand um, what like the fundamentals of how all of those uh, kits of parts can kind of come together and play in an overall design. I think that's a huge, a huge element. What about the idea of performance? I mean, obviously yeah. it, I, I lump performance and by performance, I mean the web, you know, the, the speed yeah. the um, of the site. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I lump that more onto front end development. But yeah. if the designer makes good decisions yeah. in the beginning, mm -hmm. the, it, it just makes things a lot easier. Where do, you, where do you see that fitting into the role of an interactive designer as, a, yeah. as considerations? That's a great, a great question. And I actually talked to some designers at, or developers at Instrument before um, having this talk. That way I could see it from all angles. And I think the key in a studio setting like Instrument 
um, is collaboration. I'm always sitting next to the developer that I'm working with on a project, and I ask uh, the developer lots of questions as I'm designing, and then they ask me lots of questions as they're developing, and that collaboration is key. Um, there's never a point where I unveil the final design to them, and then I say, okay, take this and make it work, you know. We're always uh, solving the problem together in tandem, and then that that helps the process because they can point out things that they're seeing along the way that maybe won't translate or, you know, don't make sense, and they think about things like performance, and then I can push them a little bit um, back when, when I'm seeing them develop, and I can point out, like, oh, that doesn't quite look right, or we need to work on that hierarchy or whatever. Um, that collaborate that collaborative spirit is so important, and then that allows our um, our value to really be in what our expertise is, and we kind of combine into one brain. You know, we're like the left and the right brain uh, coming together, which is great. But the more I obviously understand at the get go of a project, um, the easier it will be on the developer and and the project. So it's not to say that. I don't have a responsibility to know the fundamentals of how um, the product can come to life. Um, that's still my responsibility, but I'm also my value as as being a designer. See, that's where I um, I'm going to use typography for an example. So that's where I think the the print teaching for print and teaching for web the design fundamentals are are, are very different, and it and it boils down to performance. So mm -hmm. on a whether it's a good I mean on a on a piece of paper, you could have 500 different fonts. It's probably not the best choice, but right. you, you could have it because it's not going to hurt the performance right. of the page. Whereas if you do that for a website, it's going to just bomb out the site where it's yeah. almost completely unusable. And so I think like the, so the, the fundamentals of typography, they almost have to be taught a different or because there, there are yeah. those, there's those differences. Yeah, it's funny you say that because um, right now we're working on a website where uh, I was talking to my creative director about where we saw the typography going for the site. And uh, he was like, well, you have a great print design background. You, your aesthetic ha happens to be more in the Swiss uh, aesthetic and the modernist aesthetic. So this is perfect, you know, what we're doing. And I kind of realized at that moment that... Um, modernism's approach for typography is kind of similar to the web's approach where mm -hmm. it's as few fonts, as few sizes as possible. There's a system that's created that you carry on and that, that strict uh, typographic presence, it kind of overlaps. Um, so I think it depends. You know, at VCU, we were always told to use fewer fonts and to really streamline it and it was that modernist aesthetic. So in that regard, I yeah. feel like I've been well prepared for the web, but I know that's not always the case. Um, so I found that to be kind of an interesting nuance. Oh, no, that's that's pretty cool. I, yeah. So another thing on, and this I I want to touch back to like when we first, talk, first talked, this was the one thing that really, really stuck in my head and was mm -hmm. that um, we discussed the actual interaction. So you mm -hmm. kind of made a general statement that that you wish you had more experience from your education um, designing the interaction. Yeah. So is that a fair recollection of the conversation? Yeah. Okay. And I've been thinking about that a, a bit the last week, and I kind of realized part of that uh, happens to be more about the time and place in which I went to school. Like mm -hmm. the iPhone came out my last year. It hadn't even really had an impact 
on uh, our world yet. Um, so, you know, I remember learning some Flash, which obviously isn't really relevant anymore. Um, so some of that just happens to be because of the time. But I also think um, one really important element of interactive is just the movement and how things uh, work together. Uh, take Google's new logo, for instance. They mm -hmm. have motion as being a part of their brand guidelines, which is amazing, you know. Uh, we live in a time where that's happening. Uh, and I think, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd, I'd love to have a stronger foundation in, in motion and that actual physical interaction. Um, but it's not to say that I can't, you know, buff up on it now. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, it's definitely important. And and I glad you I'm glad you mentioned the, the you know the iPhone in 2007 because I I think the modern so you when you were teach when I when I taught web five mm -hmm. six seven years ago it was a lot different and it was a lot simpler yeah now not only I mean this is the iPhone was that that set the set things in motion but really I go back to 2010 when media queries and Ethan Marcotte's, you know, essay on responsive design. Mm -hmm. That's when like truly like this is what our tool sets are now that we have to work with. And yeah. so now we have to design interactions because prior to that, yeah. I think the interactions were fairly simple. Yeah. You know, you click and then the whole screen just changes. Yeah. And there's no movement. There's no like human element uh, to that interaction. And now it's such a big part of it. Yeah, and so now with just um, some CSS3, you can have a form that you click the button and the form shakes. I mean, the, the yeah. button shakes and turns red if you, you know, did it yeah. wrong instead of having to, like, pop up all these different kinds of screens. And mm -hmm. um, so do you see students or do you see young designers having more experience as they come in with this? Or is this something that you know, design education to really catch up on? Uh, yeah, I do see um, students coming in with this uh, skill set uh, in a way that I didn't. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because they're being taught it in school or if it's just in nature of the time and people are kind of self-teaching mm -hmm. um, themselves in that understanding or if it's just more intuitive. But it has uh, been a conscious effort of mine to really think about the motion or the interaction of an element just as much as the look and feel, you know, like what color the type is matters just as much as how it's moving. Um, so... I think it is evolving. I see it more in younger designers as being a skill set, um, but it can always be pushed further. Yeah, um, you know we're we're getting close on time. So one last question about that be before I let you go. Um, mm -hmm. Most design programs have a motion graphics class, mm -hmm. um, but to, you know, and a lot of the assignments that are coming out of those motion graphics class are like you know design movie credits. Uh, do a video mm -hmm. or something like that. What mm -hmm. can be done in those classes to kind of better prepare students for animations in interactive design? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it comes down to uh, the different types of interaction that you can teach to. So you can have um, someone learn motion that is more about animation and you can animate an object or have uh, something move in a way where it's telling a full story or it can be an element of design. So 
what I mean by that is it, you know, a title sequence, it's more of an animation where you can have full reign and it's something that people watch, whereas an interaction is something that people click or uh, interact with. So it's kind of working in tandem with the user. And it sounds like there's maybe more emphasis on the first element of interactive versus the second. And I would push people to start thinking about interactive more as it relates to um, everyday sites or apps that we interact with and how you can take typography or a button or a page transition and make it feel different just by the way it's moving. So I think there are you know, two different, vastly different applications and uh, teaching to both seems like the future, you know, like yeah. they're both so important. Oh, that's fantastic. So, um, Melissa, before I let you go, uh, is there mm -hmm. anything you are working on that you would like to share or something you want to promote or maybe a final piece of advice you'd like to give design educators that we didn't talk about? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. I know I talked for a while, so, um, no, I think that's everything. Um, thanks for everything you guys are doing. Um, yeah. It's exciting to see new students coming out uh, with new skill sets and watch design evolve as a discipline. Yeah, no, this is exciting times for design educators when you stop and think about it. We're in the cusp of, like like I said, I, I go back to 2010. Our design is five years old Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. its current context, and we're figuring out what to do with it as we go. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today on episode 17 of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Melissa Showalter of Instrument, for being so generous with her time. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor DigitalOcean and CDN sponsor Fastly for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. Finally, I want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit us on the web at designedu.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at designedu today, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU today.